Peritopia, please welcome back to the program the one, the only, the author of Ghosts of Gettysburg. That's right. It's Mr. Mark Nesbitt. Mark, thank you very much for coming back to the show. My pleasure, guys. And uh, I guess let's let's jump right into it. Um, you've got, what, an amazing EVP from this past weekend or just an average EVP from this past weekend? Well, we got several EVPs from this past weekend. Actually, I haven't re- uh, reviewed all of them, but we did one of our Ghost Quest weekends, uh, which we do at least once, sometimes twice a year. They're kind of like a adjunct to our Mysterious Journeys weekends that we do, where we bring, you know, we invite people in, they stay overnight at a haunted inn uh, in Gettysburg or sometimes the Cashtown Inn. Then we uh, escort them to several haunted sites and uh, basically to show them how to do the experiments and uh, how to gather EDP and take photos and, and, you know, typical investigative-type stuff. And so we did one this past weekend in conjunction with the James Gettys Hotel, in Gettysburg, on uh, that's the one on Chambersburg Street. Excellent, excellent hotel. And um, one of the places we um, did an investigation was the James Gettys because it, I have several stories about it in uh, in my books. And um, we got uh, I got some EVP, and I've only had a chance to go over uh, the James Gettys part, but one um, that we. One of, one of the participants was saying, you know, this is interesting that we keep asking the uh, entities, you know, who they are, what regiment they're from, uh, what's the date, who's president, that type of thing. He said, why don't you ask them what it's like where they are? And so I did, and it's kind of interesting because I asked the one fella, you know, what, what is it like there? And I got a very, very clear where. In other words, he was asking me, you know, what, what do you mean? I'm here, aren't I? <laughs> Which was, it seemed like that was the answer, because he's like, what do you mean? What is, what is it like? I'm here. I'm right with you. Yeah. So he was confused. He didn't know where I was talking about, you know, heaven, nirvana, whatever. Hmm. And then I got a couple of others later on, which were not quite Class A, but um, I asked a question um, of, a, of, a, of a soldier and I got an answer that, that was, uh, it sounded like somebody said, Frank, who's that? In other words, he was talking to somebody else and asking, who's asking that question? Mm-hmm. And then finally, maybe the best EVP I got, uh, Lane Crosby was there. She was, she's our, uh, one of our mediums that we use. And she said, and she saw something over my left shoulder. I mean, they, you know, as you know, they see things that we, we don't, or at least I don't. Mm-hmm. And she said, ask him what that is over your left shoulder. And I got a Class A EVP um, of someone saying, nasty. Huh. So, and all that stuff is available or should be available very, very shortly for people to listen to on ghostchannel.tv. You know, that's the that's the website that we use to, to put out all of our information on our, our, our different weekends that we have. Hmm. But um, and I would appreciate uh, uh, Jeff and, and Jeremy, you guys, if you listen to those, let me know what you think. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Cool. Has anyone ever asked uh, what are you doing right now, or is that too complicated of a question? No, I don't think that's too complicated a question. I mean, we can always ask it. Uh, like I said, I was a little surprised because the first time uh, that uh, uh, the the, uh, the famous Sarah Estep, you know, the woman who actually got uh, EVP 
gave it a name here in America was, uh, uh, you know, she was doing her famous experiments trying to find out what, you know, if, it, if EVP really worked. And one of the things that got her hooked is she kept asking the same question and got absolutely nothing. And finally she said, what is it like where you are? And when she played it back, she got one word, and it was beauty. Hmm. So, you know, I, 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 I don't, you know, I don't, I, I'm willing to ask any question. You know, I, I, I have a tendency to kind of get locked into the, you know, the, the, you know, what regiment are you from? Give me a number, give me a state, and that type of thing. But I really ought to be expanding it a little bit more. Well, the reason and, I, uh, I ask is because if, if you say, you know, where are you right now? And they say here as if where else would I be? Well, what is it that they think they're talking to? You know, what are you doing right now? Are you doing a seance and we're coming through your seance or are you talking yeah. to yourself or what? Good point. Or are they literally right here next to us in another dimension? Yeah. Yeah. You know, they can see, the, uh, you know they're, they're coexisting, in other words, mm -hmm. just in, a, in an unseen, uh, un, on an unseen plane. Well, I mean, Mark, that's not really like an unusual uh, answer to get, is it? I mean, haven't we heard EVPs before that say, well, I'm right here, where are you? Or, um, I mean, I find it interesting that the one said, who's asking that question? Or, Frank, who, who asked yeah, that? Or, who's, yeah. Who was that? I mean, because it, it's, it just puts you in mind that, you know, go back in time to the, the date of, uh, you know, whenever you happen to have plugged into the information net there. <laughs> Uh, it it's puts you in mind of somebody going, what the hell was that? Did you hear that? Yeah, uh, exactly, exactly. Uh, that's just ultimately confusing to the whole ghost phenomenon um, as, as being dead people, you know? I mean, that's yeah, what we think right. of. Often we don't get the answer you, we expect either. Yeah. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? You ask for a, a date and, and you'll get something like, who's that, you know? Who's hmm. talking to me? <laughs> so, I, you know, it's, it's still so many questions. Uh, involved in this and so many things that are unanswered. But, you know, you just keep doing it and and keep expanding and see what you get. So, Well, I know that uh, – and here's, here's a question for you about, about EVP. I mean, the thing that, I mean, has confused Jeremy and I both about it is that uh, we did a uh, – I believe – Jeremy, am I right? It was Colin Andrews' episode that we got um, – a man talking? Uh, no, it was the Crop Circle Roundtable. That's right. That's right. And we, we did a, a roundtable uh, show with this, some Crop Circle guys from over in England. And, I mean, clearly, um, Jeremy's going through the – he's editing the show together, and he says, we got an EVP. And it's uh, it, it's it's pretty you, – you can't make it out. I mean, you cannot make out what's being said. But yeah. clearly, it's someone with a British accent. It's loud. Uh, it's, yeah, it's loud. It's crystal clear. It's just they're going, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. It just hmm. seems like nonsensical. Um, I mean, do you, do you often run into things like that where you get maybe like a southern draw type murmuring or babbling that just doesn't seem to make any sense at all? Yeah, I get a couple types. One is, is, is kind of like, you know how you're a white noise of a party. You know how when you're at a party and you're talking to somebody one-on-one -on -one and you hear the you hear the voices in the background of the other people. You can't understand what they're saying. Or if you're at a restaurant, you can hear the voices of the people. You can't understand what they're saying, but you know that they're words, and because of the the you know the way that the voices are are inflecting and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I I get that a lot, and um, uh, a lot of times I will get single voices. In fact, I was just going through some EVP today where, you, and this is this is like the fifth or sixth time I've gone through this and you can you can hear the rhythm of a sentence but you 
you can't make out the words. And no matter how many times I go over, and it's and it's very frustrating. But the answer to your question is, yeah, you, you do. You get a lot of that stuff that you just it's just right there, and you just can't make it out. And mm-hmm. no matter how much you clean it up, you still only get the rhythms. You know, you can tell they're they're. There, there's a two-syllable word, a one-syllable word, and a three-syllable word, but I can't make out what it is. Right, right. It happens frequently, you know what I mean? Is there anyone doing any research where they're just concentrating on one area uh, for their entire research, like one house or one field, and asking um, just a litany of questions over the course of months or years that you know of? Well, you know, we kind of done that with, uh, you know, our what we affectionately call the ghost house. Jeff is familiar with it. He spent a night there. And uh, we uh, have, done, have been working in there since about 90, 1997 and have done, uh, gotten lots of, uh, you know, every, every couple of weeks we'll be in there trying to get EVP. Uh, so <clears throat> we know uh, from that and from other sources that we have at least uh, three or four, maybe five uh, permanent ghosts in there they just they, they're just there all the time and every time we go in there they're there we have uh georgia soldiers i don't know how many because that seems to change but that that's those are the troops that were in that area some louisiana soldiers and uh then some that come and go that aren't there all the time a priest that shows up periodically uh last time there was a fellow by the name of philip that was there that i'd never i never knew about and do you have a running dialogue with them, or do they do they recognize you every time you talk to them? Some of them do. Some of them do. Mrs. Kitzmiller, who was a lady who owned the house longer than than anybody, um, from 1866 to the 1920s, uh, she apparently, you know, she sees me. According, I don't know that, but according to the media, it's, um, oh yeah, Mrs. Kitzmiller's here, and you know, and, and we have a. It's almost invariable. I can usually get a. A little conversation going with her uh, about the weather. You know, am I taking good care of your house? <laughs> Even though I'm paying the mortgage, <laughs> it's still our house. <laughs> and uh, uh, we had a uh, an interesting uh, uh, conversation about some cookies. She thinks we should serve cookies and tea to our the people that come in. And so Carol went out and we tried to get some some real cookies, but. Could fail, and so we got some little wafer type things, a little about an inch in diameter. And when when we do the EVP with a group, I try and keep my mouth shut when I play it back. I want other people to hear it first. And there was a woman sitting right next to me, and so I asked Mrs. Kitzmiller. I said, "Mrs. Kitzmiller, do you like the cookies we got?" And of course, there's total silence. Then when I played it back, um, I waited for this other woman to say what she heard. And when I asked that question, do you like the cookies, this woman jumped up and she repeated what she heard. She said, I hate them. <laughs> so she hated the little cookies that we got. So we don't talk about the cookies anymore. <laughs> it's not a sore subject. So, yeah, the, 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 the only problem is that it's not a real-time two-way communication. You know what I mean? I have to ask a question, let them answer it, and then um, listen to it and then ask a a question, another question may, that may be pertinent to that one. But we're working on the two-way communication. Scott Crownover uh, has got a, a system set up now where he can not only uh, put two people on earphones to listen while we're doing EVP, he's also recording it, and he, you can also see a, uh, a visual, a graphic 
uh, on his computer. And uh, a couple of um, uh, Mysterious Journeys weekends ago, we were actually in this in the back room there. You're familiar with that on the second floor. Sure. Mm-hmm. And we we he recorded the two people listening heard and half the room heard two very deep breaths by somebody breathing in and out. And the weird part is I did not record it. I was trying to get EVP. My recorder did not record it. His did. I heard it. Half the people there heard it. The other half didn't. And whenever, you know, you get people in a room like that, half the people hear it, half the people don't, that means to me it's probably paranormal. Hmm. You know, it's, it's a... Because we get that a lot on our on our uh, tours, you know, people will uh, uh, smell a you know pipe tobacco. One person will smell it; the person next to him won't. Hmm. And that just indicates, you know, one person is more sensitive than the other. I mean, everyone would smell it within a second. If a person's standing next to you and they smell tobacco, you're you're going to be smelling it very soon. Yeah. Right. So to me, that indicates a paranormal event. Uh, we had uh, Phil Imbrogno, who's a paranormal researcher, on a few weeks ago, and he told a story of a man uh, crossing a frozen river in the Hudson Valley and meeting, you know, basically in front of him went sort of blurry, just the vision in front of him went blurry of the environment, and mm-hmm. out stepped a guy in sort of 1800s garb and asked him, where do you live? And he said, right over there. And he said... You know, are you coming from a costume party? And the guy said, I thought you were coming from a costume party. <laughs> and he said, uh, well, aren't you cold? Because you know, the guy was dressed in short sleeves. And he said, uh, why would I be cold? It's July. And <laughs> then the guy just, uh, like, the not the guy, but the, the ghost or the whatever, sort of mm-hmm. ran. Like, he thought that maybe, you know, like, maybe he was looking at a demon or something. And he just just ran away and then disappeared. Um, do you have any stories like that where it, it sounds like maybe there's some sort of almost a time slip more than a ghost encounter? Yeah, and I, I call them warps, you know, uh, uh, and others, others call them warps as well. Um, it's almost as if there's like a, a tear in time. You know, say time is a veil, and all of a sudden there's like an opening of tear in this veil, and, and you periodically can see through it. And I'm going to say that a lot of the ghost stories that I have in, in, my, uh, in my books are probably time slips. Now, there may or may not be any communication between the living and the dead, uh, although, for example, one of the very first stories I, 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 get, I collected at Gettysburg was about a young woman who is when I was working for the Park Service, and, and she came into the uh, information desk, and it was early in the morning, and she'd been out to Devil's Den, and she walked up and she said, "Is you know, are there any ghosts here at Gettysburg? And, of course, <laughs> You know, the official Park Service line is there are no ghosts here at Gettysburg. So, you know, the, the people at the desk said, well, there are no ghosts here at Gettysburg. And then we looked around to see if there were any any bosses there. And we, we said, why? What happened? <laughs> we're all excited. We want to know what happened. And uh, she said, well, she was out at Devil's Den. She it was early in the morning. Nobody else was there. She was uh, uh, got kind of turned around, figured it's a pretty morning. I'm going to take a picture. So she got out of her car stood up on top of one of the rocks and was, was looking and he had her eye up to the camera and all of a sudden she felt a presence and she turned around and, and a man was standing there and he said, what you're looking for is over there. And he pointed past her. And so she turned around and she was thinking, wait a minute, how's he know what I'm looking for? She turned back and he was gone. 
Hmm. We asked her, what did he look like? How was he dressed? And she described him with a floppy hat, shoulder-length hair, barefoot, uh, ragged clothes. Um, In other words, basically, she described a Texas soldier uh, who was at Gettysburg. They were from the, you know, Texas was the wilderness. And it took forever to get clothes from the, you know, the, the armories or even your, your, your home if you live in Texas. And so, and of course, the, the troops that were most associated with taking Devil's Den was the first Texas. So she kind of got a, you know, for a brief moment, it, 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 time seemed to tear open. He actually acknowledged her, spoke to her, pointed she turned around and that veil slammed closed again because there's no way he could have gotten anywhere. She was in basically on top of this big rock. Mm-hmm. So that's you know that's that's one of those things that um, may may apply. And of course, I have dozens and dozens of other stories that that may may be a time slip as well. Although although the reaction of the ghost being scared by the living person running away is interesting. Mm-hmm. That's probably the first time I've heard that. Um. Well, I got uh, – here, here's a kind of an off-the-wall question mark for you. Um, I, I think I'd mentioned when, when I was over at your place the other day that the, the whole Imbrogno layout of that, of that story with the lake, the, the notion that we may be talking through time or seeing through time then begs the question for me, is there anything that you've ever come across in any of the Civil War – uh, maybe soldiers' diaries that have been published, or maybe as being as you work for the Park Service there, have you ever come across any documentation from anyone who was there during the battle who said, "I saw something really strange today," <laughs> or uh, I, I, "I saw something that disappeared," "I saw a person disappear," uh, "I can't explain this." Uh, is there any kind of like trace back to? what we may be seeing today as, you know, kind of inserting itself into the past as we go along? Uh, yeah, I have, I have ghost stories from Civil War era people. Now, I, I don't have any where they have actually mentioned something that they saw that could have been futuristic. Right. Well, how would you they know? know? Like, I mean, we really. Yeah. We don't have very many of those. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know of too many people who have, all of a sudden, they're walking down the street, and they get this vision of a, you know, something completely modern, ultra modern. That, that's that's, you know what I mean, 150, not, 200 years ahead. Not, and, not but I do have flying saucers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, maybe <laughs> that could be. Um, but I do have some stories of of, of Civil War era people uh, seeing ghosts hmm. and experiencing um, ghosts. So those I have, Fredericksburg I mean, in particular. What do they What do they say? I mean, are they do, do they say it looked like someone from the past, or, or is it real nondescript in that way? Well, they the uh, the one description that I have is uh, from uh, St. George's Episcopal Church, mm-hmm. and this is in 1858, and the woman's name was Mary McCarty, and she and her beau were going to choir practice, and it was it was nighttime, and they went in. And uh, she went into the choir loft and with one, a single candle, and nobody else was there yet. And he said, I'll go down, I'll go and find some more candles because we're going to need them and find the uh, choir director. So he left, and she's sitting there by herself, and she looked down uh, into the, uh, uh, 
down at the, to the aisle, and in, in front of the altar was a woman, she said, dressed in white, you know, your classic woman in white, right. dressed in white, kneeling and praying. The woman stood up, uh, turned around, and started walking down the aisle, glanced up, saw Mary McCarty, and vanished. Huh. So, so here's a woman in 1858 that saw a ghost in a church that had been there from the late 1700s. Right. Huh. So, and I have I have two or three other stories of, of and one of the one of the first in Gettysburg that I that I'd heard were a couple of uh, hunters out at Devil's Den, and they apparently got lost and turned around. And, you know, it's easy to do, especially if there aren't any roads out there. And there was, they saw an individual who was motioning to them, follow me. So they started following him, and he led them to an area where they were familiar with, and then he disappeared. So, you know, and they they attributed it to to a ghost. Um, I, you know... That, that we have to we have to go with their uh, opinion on that, right? But right. That's, you know, that's uh, you know, they couldn't find the guy after that. He just sort of, you know, vanished or disappeared, well, not before their eyes, but just disappeared. Mark, let me ask you a question about uh, people who have hauntings and things like that. In, in ufology, um, people who are experiencers or abductees or even just UFO sightings sometimes. Um, people who have UFO sightings um, can think that they are cursed or blessed or have a special message to impart upon humanity. It becomes this weird, uh, either good or evil spiritual component uh, that sort of comes out of people as a result of this stuff. Sometimes uh, is there any of that with ghost witnesses? I mean, we, we don't, do you hear that about, especially people who have a haunted house? Do they feel, Blessed, cursed? Do they feel like God's at work, the devil? I mean, did, anything like that? I don't know. I think it kind of depends on the individual, but most people, I mean, it is without a doubt a life changing experience. Uh, how people handle it, you know, kind of depends on the individual. I, I think some people think, you know, they get scared and they think that they're, it's, it's, it's a demon or, you know, they're being, that they are cursed, but that's not necessarily so. I mean, it could be something as simple as, as, as you know, watching you, you know your car keys, you know, move from one side of the table to the other, and all of a sudden, how are you going to take that? I mean, I'd look at it and say, "Hey, thanks, do that again," <laughs> you know. But some people might think it's the devil doing it. You know, I guess it depends on your upbringing, um, but um, but it's definitely a life changing experience for for a lot of people. We see it uh, almost every time we do one of these weekends because, you know, as you know. We, we're into this, so we're kind of jaded a little bit by, you know, getting EVP and things that happen and seeing things and that type of stuff. But but these people, they get a dose of it maybe once, you know, once a year, if that. And and they are really, uh, uh, you know, I've seen people uh, change because of their experiences with us. Uh, um, skeptics, you know, a lot of times, you know, we'll go around the room and ask people, why are you here? And the husband, it's usually the man, he'll say, well, I'm here because of her. You know, she made me come. And we had a young lady uh, this this past uh, weekend who said, the re- only reason I'm here is because of my boyfriend. Huh. I don't believe any of this stuff. I said, okay, that's fine. That's okay. Well, after she heard the, the EVP that I, I talked about, the where and, you know, some of the other things, um, she just was like, I can't believe it. I'm I'm 
I'm hooked now. I want to know more about this. Mm-hmm. So, it, 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 you know, I know it affects everybody if it happens to you. Right. Because it is, you know. Well, I'm just wondering if there's something special about, you know, it, it's just weird. UFO believers or, or what have you who believe in aliens, that aliens are doing this, somehow that gets translated into part of a spiritual journey for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And just on the face of it, it seems like, why would that happen? And I'm just wondering if if that happens with other paranormal phenomena, too. Um, but what would you say about someone like our friend Jeff Ritzman here, who uh, whose <laughs> case you're somewhat familiar with and, and a lot of the listeners are as well? From the, the ghost um, investigator perspective, what would you say is happening to him? Since he's got all of this, you know, from alleged alien type things to uh, poltergeist type things. What, what what would the ghost, I don't want to say ghost hunter, I guess, ghost investigator answer to that be? Because we know the, what the UFO investigator answer would be. The, the password is, he's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know if, if uh, wondering about someone who does this type of thing, you know, is really a fair question because, like I said, we're, you know, I've seen Jeff, uh, do his investigations and then then analyze stuff and it is you know uh, he is very very thorough and very very objective on most of this stuff and um, he he explained to me this past uh, we, were, we were together this past week and he was explaining this one photograph that I had that I'd taken at the cash town in with a game cam and he was explaining how the first photograph uh, two photographs were taken. One, the first one was of Jack, the owner, locking up the bar, and it was at 33 or 35 minutes after midnight. And he goes through, locks it, closes, turns off all the lights and locks it up. Well, about 11 minutes later, there is another, the game cam goes off and there's another figure. And uh, Jeff saw things that I didn't see. It's the fact that it, it was actually passing through, seemed to be passing through the slats of the chair um and two or three other things that he mentioned he said it seemed to have a light it's not a reflected light in other words there was no light being reflected off of it and mainly because there wasn't any light to reflect off of it it was a uh, infrared uh game cam but it had a glow that came from within it was self-generating so now you know when when you know, when Jeff started analyzing all that stuff, I'm thinking this is stuff I didn't see or didn't think about. So he's pretty objective about all this stuff. Um, you know, it's a kind of a different different animal. You know, when we're, when we do this type of thing. Uh, now I've never I'm, I, I've never really dealt with too many UFO people, mm-hmm. so I you know I don't know how they look at at, at a lot of this stuff and and what, whether you are. A- Boy, aren't you lucky. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. I, the reason I ask is, I just wonder if Jeff had interpreted like originally. Jeff had interpreted. Sorry to speak about you in the third person, Jeff. That's okay. Originally, Jeff had interpreted his experiences as demonic, uh, and then through time, he thought alien, and then now he's sort of with I don't know. Nothing seems to cover it. Um, if he'd stuck with demonic, or if if you know, if he had come to you and said, "This is happening to me." What do you think it is? Would you have thought it was alien? Would you have thought it was demonic? Would you have thought it was something else? I mean, has anyone come to you with things that sound like, mm, maybe they're not ghosts, maybe they're some other seemingly related thing that we can't quite put our finger on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I and, and but it 
anything associated with Gettysburg right now escapes me, but I do know that, what the heck was that? Somebody, yeah, 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 as a matter of fact, somebody did tell me, and this is really weird, this is maybe cryptozoological or something, but they did say that they were out at Marsh Creek one night, he and a group of other people, and something came out of Marsh Creek that was a humanoid, that was, you know, bipedal, and uh, moved towards them, and of course, they they just, you know, freaked out, got in the cars, took off. What was it? I don't know. I've never, that's the first and only time I've ever heard of anything, you know, like the swamp creature or something coming out of that. that but mm-hmm. And so, how they interpret it, I don't think they interpret it as a ghost. So, often with um, with experiencers and abductees, the more you get to talk to them, the more you see that it's not just this supposed UFO or alien abduction, but that they've also got poltergeist phenomena in their lives or psychic type of phenomena in their lives. Uh, it's this whole host of things. Is it, have, have you read into that? Has it been the same way with people who say, I've got a ghost that the more you investigate, the more you find out they also have say aliens or UFOs in their lives? Not really. Not in my, uh, you know, the, the letters I get time and time again, will start off. I have never had a paranormal experience in my life. And these are from, you know, medical doctors, college professors, you know, police. And then they'll, then they'll proceed to write about what happened to them at Gettysburg. And, um, so I, I, you know, they, they usually would say something to the effect that, you know, one time I did see UFO or this or that, but you would think, you know, right. but I, uh, they usually start off by saying, and this is, this is a lot. These are enough letters starting off that way that I've never had a paranormal experience in my life to to be notable as far as I'm, I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Um, I'm also curious about um, a couple of locations, Mark, and I wonder if you could tell me or tell our audience rather a little bit more about them. Uh, Triangle Field, I um, – after we got done at your house and we did that show there, mm-hmm. much like some of your guests at the house, I got hooked until it got too cold. Um, and and so I'm Wimp. probably going back up again this weekend. <laughs> um, but um, I got hooked and I started to go to uh, uh, Devil's Den, which is usually pretty crowded. Uh, yeah. I, I haven't had much luck going there and filming or taking stills or even doing EVPs because there's always so many people there. Right. But Triangle Field is one of those places where you just don't get a ton of people. Uh, it's usually a revolving door, and most of them don't want to travel uh, too far down into it because, as our dear friend Lisa, who went uh, with us, found uh, ticks are abounding in that field. Uh-huh. Uh, but I went down there. There is a path about, what would you say, probably halfway down. There's a path that goes completely across the field. Right. Um, and then I think bends to the left and goes up towards Devil's Den. So we're talking about the same general area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got an EVP there that is the best that I've ever gotten personally, which was Captain, they're coming from the right. Now, that was standing wow. down by the old tree. Yeah, uh, facing towards what where Jason had told me because he's a lot bigger into the Civil War um, uh, info than I am. He's a lot lot better educated in it than I am. He said that that was where the the I believe the Texas um, guys were 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 in those woods. Uh-huh. Uh, so 
does something like that make sense that someone in that spot would be saying they're coming from the right? If they were a union, yes. If they're 124th New York or, or whatever, or maybe Smith's Battery up at the wall there. Mm -hmm. the, uh, now, my book, um, 35 Days to Gettysburg, has to do with a soldier from the 15th Georgia. Mm. And it was either the Georgians or one of the Texas units. You know, there's as, as you're looking down the slope, mm -hmm. there is a stone wall to the right that forms one side of the triangular field. Their unit actually straddled that mm. fence. In other words, you know, one company was on one side, one company was on another, and the rest of the companies were straight out on either side. So they actually came up that area, and that would have been, if you're looking at it from the point of view of, say, Smith's battery or some of the supporting troops, they would have been coming from the right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So that, that somewhat that makes sense for that. Yeah. The other thing was is that uh, when we stayed at your place, I think I told everybody on the show that um, I really couldn't qualify this very well, but that when we all kind of flaked out and fell asleep, what about, Jeremy, what was it, quarter of five or 4.30, somewhere in there? Yeah, yeah around five, yeah. Um, Jeremy and I were in the back room at your house, uh, upstairs, flaked out in chairs, and I distinctly heard someone walking into the kitchen. I lifted my hat brim up above my eyes, just barely, mm -hmm. and I saw... A pair of legs, ladies. Uh, I saw what looked like the bottom of what they call a muumuu that the older, older ladies, elderly ladies wear, mm -hmm. and um, like hard sole, worn, uh, dark shoes. Uh, and for some reason, my brain said, "Lisa, my wife, was coming in to see if I was asleep or something," because all she did was come into the room uh, to the edge of the door frame. And then turn around and walk away. She stood there for a matter of seconds. Um, I paid this no attention whatsoever. And when I woke up the next morning, it hit me saying, Lisa wasn't wearing a muumuu. She's not an old woman. She doesn't have old lady legs. And nobody was wearing shoes in your house because we were afraid of tracking mud. Um, I didn't really say anything to you about that, nor your wife, Carol. And yet... Um, she mentioned to me something on the phone about that uh, Lane or, or a couple of people that you work with that are mediums had said that there was an older Italian woman in your house. Right. <laughs> can, you of, can you explain that? Because it well, kind that, of freaks me out. <laughs> that was one of the, the – remember I said we have some uh, ghosts in our house, four or five of them that are permanent, and then some that come and go. Mm -hmm. And apparently – uh, one of our mediums, I think it was Patty or Lane, I don't know, was, was there, and she said, Mrs. Kitzmill was really upset. And I'm like, why? What did I do? Well, you didn't do anything, but she says, there's this woman in my kitchen, and I want her out of here. And, uh, and I'm not really sure. I think one of the mediums said that she saw her, and she was kind of like a, a lost soul. She was she was an Italian woman, and you know that area of Pennsylvania is mostly Ger German, Pennsylvania right. Dutch, Deutsch. You know, it's mostly German, right. and um, she was dressed not in the era of the of the 1860s, but in the era of late, maybe later, maybe some of the um, uh, great uh, immigration in the in the in, in later in the 1880s or 1890s. Mm -hmm. So what you described basically, I think, was that. 
was that woman, um, the little Italian lady that Mrs. Kitzmiller was upset about. And then later on, uh, they saw her again out on the, on the street, on the corner, kind of right. looking lost, you know, kind of right. looking at the house. And so, but so, that I mean, may I, have been yeah, what I mean, you saw. Yeah. I mean, I can't qualify. Cause like I said, I, I woke up out of practically a dead sleep, but I heard the sound and we actually got the sound on the Mac, which we had running with, uh, uh, with a blue snowball microphone uh, sitting right there on the countertop. So, I mean, we get, we've definitely got the sound of hard soles on your linoleum floor in the kitchen, mm-hmm. um, which is impossible because we were all wearing socks and nothing else. Um, so uh, it, it, that kind of – that kind of I don't know. I, I, I can't say that it verifies anything for me, but it's certainly – one of those things that's just like everything else in the paranormal, which is you're not going to put your finger on it. <laughs> you're yeah. not going to, you know, you're not going to nail it down. Uh, but it's just one of those things that just kind of uh, made me cock my head like a dog. Well, um, also, also accumulated evidence too. Yeah, Jeff. yeah. And and I know for a fact because I've heard it. I've heard footsteps. We, you know, when we're in that back room and I'm trying to do EVP, my back is to that door. Mm-hmm. And I have heard footsteps. I've turned around. I thought it was Carol coming in to, you know, tell me we need to switch groups here. And there were a couple of times when I actually turned around, nobody was there. Uh, I had a group in there once, and I was trying to get EVP. And of course, I'm trying to, I'm really being really quiet. So I turned the machine off, and I said, "Did anyone else hear footsteps out there in the kitchen?" And half the group was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." And nobody's out there. I'm like, "No, no one's out there." The guy standing next to me. Or sitting next to me says, actually, he says, I, I saw somebody lean over your shoulder and look at your recorder as if wondering what you were doing. Huh. Now, I did not feel anything. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, did I feel cold? You know, that's the... Right, right. And I, and I don't remember. I don't think I did. Hmm. But he actually saw a shadow, you know, see what he thought was looking over my shoulder to see what I was doing. But the footsteps are absolutely with it's. It's not your your experience is not the only time we've heard footsteps. In fact, I went out and bought a motion sensor, which I did not forgot to set up. I forgot to set it up. I did not set it up, and I wanted to. But I have a motion sensor for the next time I try and I'll put it in that kitchen. The next time I try and do EVP, if they are curious again to find out what I'm doing, maybe they'll set it off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm curious. Um, something that we often hear about the paranormal and in particular sometimes the ghost phenomena is that children are more susceptible or more open to it. Um, have you ever come across any kind of stories like related to you through a parent or maybe a kid that comes in with their parents to go on a ghost tour in the house and they say that they've seen something um, and then they describe something to you that's just like, it's impossible for you to know that as a child Um it, it, you know, you're talking about kids that are, are are really young, and probably either they they know the history, or their mom and dad has explained it to them a little bit. But there's, you know, you know how it is with kids. You can't you right. can't go into excruciating detail with them about a, a place. And have you ever had any kids that have come in and said, "Hey, Mr. Mark, I saw something over there," and and then describe for you something that's just blows the top of your head off. Yeah, but kids are kids are pretty shy usually. You know, they'll see stuff, and by the time they're about five or six years old, unless their parents, the, the parents themselves are sensitive. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of times they're telling. By then, they're telling the kids, "Look, you're getting ready to go to school. Quit talking about this." You know, what I mean? <laughs> if, 
your imagination. Don't give that kid a special test. Get him out of here. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I, you know, I do know that that's happened, Jeff, but I can't, um, it's, it's, it's escaping me now. Any, any specific, Mm -hmm. uh, moments, but I know people have come in and say, said, you know, my child has, has seen some things, but I can't come up with any specifics. I know that some of our mediums, children are very, um, very sensitive. Uh, one right. sees the soldiers. One can actually find their graves in an open field. Wow. Uh, uh, another one, I must have apparently uh, had a life in another life as a pirate because <laughs> one, <laughs> one little girl, first of all, she identified me as a pirate. And when first time she saw me, it's a pirate. And then second, secondly, one time in, uh, in Fredericksburg, uh, there was apparently a uh, a spirit that came in, and I reminded him of huh. somebody, and he called me a bloody rogue. So uh, I'll never be able to picture you now without an eye patch. You do realize that, <laughs> <laughs> and the parrot on the shoulder. You know, I mean, and a parrot on my shoulder. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, I, I mean, it all comes down to. I mean, for you. I mean, your passion in this is is Gettysburg um, and the history of that, and uh, and of course you owning the place there. I mean, it's like you got a front row seat, which I'm so incredibly envious of. Um, but what do you think it is about Gettysburg? I mean, we've talked about time slips, and we've talked about um, you know manifestations of phenomena that that don't really seem to fit in any good box um, okay. that just seem like there's this myriad of things that go, are going on, but your mind is telling you, oh, come on, it can't be that many things, but then can it? And it all becomes very confusing. So, I mean, what do you ultimately think is the reason for Gettysburg being what it is, which is, I mean, for me, unquestionably, one of the most haunted places on the planet um, right. that I've been to. Um, it, it, do you think there's... A portion of this is that's geologically based, um, or do you think that it's somehow connected to what we've talked about a lot on the show? Is people actively going out to look, and therefore being more tuned up to it, um, and therefore it, somehow the phenomenon recognizes that, and then something happens, um, uh, or, or is it all of that? Do you think? That that's I'll tell you. You just opened up. Uh, I mean, really, those are really really good questions because, you know, the answer to all those would be yes. You know, for every one of them. Uh, for example, is it is it that Gettysburg, um, because of the intense emotional energy that was expended there by close to two hundred thousand men, some dying, some wounded, some just realizing that what's on the line here. You know, is that energy, does that cause this to happen? Does this cause them to, uh, parts of them to remain? Is it geological? We've always had that theory that was given to me and about the, uh, the, the granite, the quartz-bearing granite that's there. Did it somehow absorb that, uh, that mass, the masses of energy, the electrical energy that was released when, when the men were killed or when their bones were being broken, you know, in such an uh-huh. incredible amount. Is it that? Is it the fact that Gettysburg, that whole area, was somehow fated, you know, to be a vortex 
of violence because we do know that several thousand years before they ever had the Battle of Gettysburg, there was a, a huge uh, Native American battle there. Um, I mean, I've been to uh, people in Gettysburg who've lived there all their lives, and they, they'll pull out uh, their, in their houses, they'll pull out their uh, their mason jar full of bullets. Look at all these bullets I found just walking around. Oh, by the way, here are all the arrowheads, too. Huh. In other words, a mason jar, is, and more arrowheads fit in a mason jar than mini balls. So I'm saying that there may have been as many Native American warriors there at one time fighting a battle as there were uh, Northerners and Southerners. Is get was Gettysburg just is it is it a vortex drawing that type of thing? Right. I don't know, Jeff. That's a, that's one of those. That's one of the why is it so haunted? That's one of those questions that you know. Well, I mean, you've got I, the you've also got the. It, what you had tours going in? It was Fredericksburg, am I right? Correct. Yeah, Fredericksburg. Now, do you do you get as much in, in a place like that as you would? Uh, I mean, I mentioned to you the other day Antietam. Uh, do you, you know some place like that? Which was? Am I right in saying it was equally, if not worse, in in bloodshed there? Absolutely. Uh, yes. You know, I, I mean, do you get when you go there? Do you seem to readily be able to access? Um, decent data from there as you do in, in Triangle Field or Devil's Den or, um, you know, any of these, like, uh, what was the other one? Uh, Spangler Spring. Yes. I mean, yes. Is, is, is it as good there? Yeah, we've gotten um, uh, as much, I haven't spent as much time there, but when I've gone there, for example, a Wilderness uh, or Spotsylvania, um, you know, or Fredericksburg itself, um, yes, lots and lots of EVP there. The stories, you hear as many stories in Antietam uh, as, well, not quite as many as Gettysburg because I've been collected for a longer time. I've lived in Gettysburg and get the stories more right. frequently. But, but Antietam has a lot of stories. And interestingly enough, a good friend of mine um, is now the chief historian at Vicksburg, a guy I worked with at Gettysburg. And um, I went to, uh, Carol and I went to visit him this past uh, winter. And uh, he took me on a, just an unbelievable tour of, of Vicksburg. I mean, you know, and I, finally I asked him, I said, Terry, I got a question. I said, what's, first question is, ghost stories. Do you have any ghost stories about the battlefield? And he, and he kind of looked at me. He says, Mark, he said, I've been here 30 years. He said, I've heard ghost stories of the town. Not, I haven't heard hardly any on the battlefield. Huh. I said, you're kidding. He said, no. I said, then question number two. What's the geology like here? And he said, a hundred feet down, nothing but Mississippi silt <laughs> under the battlefield. So, yeah. there, in other words, no granite. Whereas right. in the town, you have buildings that have foundations of granite, you know, or they have, you know, maybe granite, maybe maybe some kind of uh, a quartz mixed in with the clay that's used for the bricks or or whatever. Uh -huh. So, you know, that kind of lends credence to that theory that maybe the, the quartz has. I always thought that was kind of goofy. I thought that was crazy. How can, how can a stone, how can quartz be affected by electricity? But then, you know, you have your quartz watch on your wrist. Right, right. And it's, yeah. you know, and you well, have I mean, your... I mean, I mean we, we had a geologist on the show who, I mean, he didn't poo-poo the idea that this might have some effect, but he said it would have to be such a massive amount to have any effect or any real effect on, on the brain. Um, or, or you know, to to be able to perceive something that's not there, or for for it to affect us in such a way 
that certain people can perceive certain things. I mean, you had mentioned something about uh, uh, somebody smelling like pipe smoke uh, and then the person next to them not smelling it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I kind of like look at that and, and there's many parallels in that to the UFO thing. I mean, a lot of parallels. There are people who have who have seen very bizarre things in the air. And at the same time, there's been a lot of people who have seen uh, an object in the sky next to a friend who doesn't see it. I had an experience like that myself where I literally had to drag my wife in front of me before she could see something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. For some reason to me, it almost speaks that uh, the phenomena almost picks and chooses, um, which kind well, of, yeah. you know, yeah. kind of lends that trickster element to, to the whole thing, you know, what, what what could be more unbelievable to someone to have an experience standing right next to someone else who has no experience whatsoever? Right, exactly. Well, you know that, yeah, and that's that happens very frequently, and it, and it could be, uh, you know, we know that EVP is very localized. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll have someone standing right next to me, or I'll even be holding another uh, recorder, and one will pick up EVP, the other one will not. So we know it's very localized. Um, and so that could be the same with the experience. You know, one person has the experience, the other doesn't. That's why we call it paranormal, you know? Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's not normal. <laughs> no, no, definitely yeah. not. And I can, I can attest to that. Um, as far as um, Spangler Spring, uh, yeah. when we went up there, and it was before we went to your place, um, we lost Jeremy um, in the dark. <laughs> oh, no. Done, done. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I found Jeremy uh, far down in the field. Uh, and, and, and Jeremy, I want, you to, I want you to describe to Mark what, what you felt uh, when you were all the way down. If you're facing the spring, Mark, all the way down left yes. uh, mm-hmm. towards where you see the, the faint lights of a house through the woods. Right. Uh, he was way down in that field, almost almost right up against the the tree line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, this. Do, do I have to preface this by saying that I too am crazy? Uh, yes. <laughs> Mark, I too am crazy. <laughs> and uh, so I've got this weird energy thing going on with me that I think is Kundalini, which, if you don't know what that is, I mean, essentially, when you quiet the mind, you know, when most people meditate right. and they quiet their mind and they sit there and they concentrate and all that. Well, I don't do that. I quiet my mind and this energy takes over and it does weird things like Tai Chi and, you know, strange prayer ritual looking things and things mm-hmm. I'm only peripherally familiar with um, that I think is sort of the body's natural language when you step out of the way, maybe something like that. But there is a strange, I've got to admit, component to it that se- seems like it's also uh, this entity unto its own. I don't know. I don't know what, what else to call it. But, um, so I let this thing go, this, I call it a meditation energy. Um, I let it go and it walked me down there, actually walked me down to that part of the woods. And it's, you know, I'm doing these hand gestures and, and all this sort of stuff. And, uh, I had the feeling that I was, um, like surrounded by people. Um, and I smelled like a gunpowder sort of smell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't remember much more Jeff than that, except that it seemed that whatever I was doing was almost like communicating with these people, like saying hi or, or welcoming them or something. Well, you, the thing you mentioned to me when I walked down 
in the field and I see Jeremy uh, kind of bouncing on one foot and and kind of karate chopping his uh, his forearm. <laughs> I'm sorry, people. That's what it looked like to me. Yeah, well, uh, there it was. Uh, you know, I said, what's going on? And you're like, I'm surrounded. And I said, is it bad? Should I drag you out of here? And, and you said, uh, no, it's, it's a joyful. It's a joyful. Um, yeah, it was joyful. And I, I mean, it, right. And it did, it brought to mind that, that maybe, and maybe I think you might've said this to me, Jeff, I'm not sure that, that, uh, perhaps I was, or this thing in me or whatever was ushering them somewhere, you know, like, Hey, <laughs> come to the light or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. But there was definitely this sort of as cliche uh, as that sounds, yeah. Yeah, there was definitely this joyful sort of communication going on that that I I can't really qualify other than to say you know it was a felt thing. So so Mark, what at, at Spangler Spring, what what happened there? I mean, what to you would speak to that in a historical sense? Why would there be so many people there at that place? Well, I I'm not sure about the the joyfulness of it. I know that was one of the longest. Um, ongoing battle areas mm-hmm. in the entire battle. The the attack on Culp's Hill and the Spangler Spring area did not start until about seven or eight o'clock on the night of July second. Lasted until about ten or ten thirty at night, which was must have been pretty horrible because these guys are firing at musket flashes. Uh-huh. You know, you don't want to fire your gun because you're going to draw fire. So, and then it died down, and then at four four thirty in the morning again when it started to uh, started to get light. They started fighting again, fought till 11. So it was some of the, the longest uh, fighting in the entire Battle of Gettysburg, and it drew a lot, of, a lot of troops. I mean, you know, there are troops all throughout the Spangler Spring area because that was kind of like the, you know, the flank oh. of um, the, uh, union, the Union line, uh, the, the right flank there. So, uh, but, but I, you know, the fact that, that um, Jeremy felt crowded is not unusual. Okay. The, the uh, I know uh, Lane many many times will be talking to someone and then all of a sudden she's like, "No, back up, back up, everybody! Leave me talking to this person. Leave me right. alone." Right. It's as if they say, "Whoa, there's somebody who can hear us." Well, that's it. I felt like um, I felt like uh, they were happy to see me. <laughs> Hey, it's Jeremy. Any, yeah, I wasn't seeing anyone. I, I'm not, you know, I mean, the closest I got to anything, like I said, was a um, the smell, the smell of gunpowder. Right, um, man, right. It, it just felt like, boy, there's a bunch of people crowding around, and they're glad to see me. Well, Patty huh. Wilson told me that once, and I was I was honored because when one time we went out to the Daniel Lady Farm, and we're we're standing out there in the uh, in that front room, and she's got a big smile on her face. I said, uh, "What's up, Patty?" And and she she said they're 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 happy to see you. I said, huh. what do you mean? The soldiers are happy here are happy to see you because you bring people who can who can hear them. Wow. Who want to talk to them? And I'm like, believe me, I am honored beyond words. You know when because you know my respect for what they did and, and the courage that they that they maintained through throughout the entire Civil War is just it's, it's a, I mean is it, me when I it, well try courage and, that. and courage almost sounds trite when you think about I mean they've built this glorious new museum up there um, and uh, and we went up to see the, the 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 surrounding painting that they've done on the walls I mean you're talking about I mean all due respect to World War II vets at Normandy uh, I mean that 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 that's akin to the same thing. These guys are running into bullets, just screaming bloody murder, 
and 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 this is they are doing it i mean yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know I, I can't imagine the the kind of fortitude that these people had to do that it's just uh, it's beyond what words can really say yeah. i mean there's yeah. no words to describe that kind of courage to do that um but uh, uh but I, i'll tell you that we took i think it was the next weekend or weekend or two afterwards uh, when Jeremy had his experience up at Spangler, we took uh, my son and, and his girlfriend up there, and Lisa and I went up. And uh, his girlfriend, who knew so nothing about the Civil War, in fact, she referred to it as the uh, the Soviet Union. <laughs> uh, she was cute, okay? You know, give the kid a break, all right? Um, uh, you know, she said... Uh, it's so strange. And I said, what's strange? And she was standing beside me in this open field right about where Jeremy was. She's like, it feels like they're all around us, like they're surrounding us. Wow. And I, my jaw just dropped to the floor. I'm like, here's this girl who doesn't really know too awful much about the history of this place at all, doesn't know what we saw or felt there. And she uses exactly the same verbiage to describe how she feels there. I mean, that just, it's too much yeah. for me. Um, well, interestingly enough, Elaine was, we were at the engine house, and um, she was uh, standing there talking to somebody, and one of our uh, one of our group took a picture of her, mm-hmm. and as, as they always do, they take at least three and sometimes four pictures, and all of a sudden, Elaine started saying, get away, get away, you're crowding me. The woman mm-hmm. took another picture, and then took another picture after that one. Elaine was saying, okay, good, I can just talk to this one person. Well, the two pictures on either side were absolutely clear. I don't know what you think about orbs. I know what I think about them. But during that time when she was saying, get away, get away, the photograph was filled with orbs. Hmm. So that's one of those situations where I don't know whether that proves anything. I mean, you know, dust was dust. Dust should have been in all three photos. Right, right. Uh, Coincidence. I don't know if there are such things as coincidences in, in the paranormal. <laughs> True, but um, you know that that was that was very interesting. I think you're right. I think they do. In, in Jeremy's case, I think they do have a tendency to, to respond to us and to realize, hey, this person is open to us, so let's let's right. go check it out. Right. Let me right. ask you. Uh, speaking of photographs, did you get a chance to check out? This is a photo that that Jeff took while we were there. Um, of a ghost, potential ghost child that that we never posted online mm-hmm. um, because I think Jeff wanted to check out the place and make sure it wasn't just a trick of light and shadow. Uh, did you look at it, Mark? And, and if so, what were your thoughts? Yes, I did, and I think it's. I, I really think it's fabulous because it corresponds. Also, see, so many times we have to. It's it's not just one photo that tells you. Well, maybe it could be a little boy. Maybe it might not. But we also had numerous other reports of people seeing or hearing a child um, in that in in that house. In fact, the very first time I had a, a medium go through there, Carol Kirkpatrick from Lancaster went through, and she said, "You're going to hear marbles on this floor, and the marbles from a child playing." And um, we were like, okay, well, it's carpet on the floor. She said, it doesn't matter. You're going to hear them. So um, the uh, – and then time and time again, we had one of our employees actually see a child there. We've had so many different reports that that, in conjunction with that photo, tells me 
that that photo is 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 real, uh-huh. and it's the same description: uh, a little boy, uh, toe-headed, uh, kind of dirty blonde hair, suspenders, white right. shirt. And if you look at that photo, that's exactly what it shows. And you've now, of course, you're there all the time, so you you know uh, that particular part of the building. Um, does the light fall in such a way that it could be something else? I mean, Jeff, did you check it out again to see? I, I haven't been up there uh, actually, because um, of course there was no light, right? Because it was well, no, there was a, there was a, there was a, well, there was a small light on the table that Mark does his book signings on. But that really didn't have much light being cast at all. I mean, it was a uh, – I used a, a night shot type of, of setting on the camera. kind of like I think they call it a, a, a nightscape or something like that. And I'm not even sure I took it. It might have been, it might have been my son or, or it might have been Lisa or that night it could have been everywhere because, I mean, the camera was getting passed around a lot. But we know that Violet Rage slash uh, Lisa, Lisa that's not my wife, was downstairs with Jason, and they heard children in that direction uh, very, very clearly. And we picked that up right. on the EVP, but we also picked it up on a camera in the stairwell, <laughs> which right. is ridiculous right. uh, because I was in the stairwell coming down, and I didn't hear anything. But uh, when I went back up uh, the stairs after they had... Had had told me we heard kids back there, and now it's all stopped. I went back upstairs and, and and grabbed my wife, and we were coming down the stairs and heard just like ever so slight whispers uh, coming from the area, which is Mark's business place, where you know his cash register is, where his where his counter is, and all of that. That's the new part, and it was almost as if kids were saying they're coming, we got to go, or something like that. And then you heard bumping. Uh, and and kind of creak and cracking throughout the house. And you know what, Mark, for an old house, the place is quiet. I mean, unless yeah, you're moving, yeah. there's no creaking going on unless you're moving. Yeah. We heard nothing in the way of house sounds uh, as far as house settling. I didn't hear anything like that. Um, but by golly, when 3 o'clock rolled around, that place turned into a carnival. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean that in every true sense. I mean, we we had some interesting experiences all night long, but come three o'clock, wah! It was like, what are you kidding me? Yeah, uh, well, that's that's when I picked up. Um, I did an experiment once. I took my recorder and I put it in that back room, and uh, I put it on on voice activation, and you can hear me walking out. And it was a snowy, quiet night. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can hear me closing the door, walking out. And now that question is, I can't remember whether or whether I said it, well, you know, what, whether I had, had, had reset the clock on the recorder for daylight savings time or not daylight, whatever. But okay. at, at, at according to the recorder at 3.55, which could have been 2.55, okay, it started recording. And it recorded 42 or 43 minutes of EVP huh. with, with no one. In the house. A couple of times you can hear a snowplow go by so you know what real noise is right. as opposed to the EVP. But it recorded, you know, that, about that time at, uh, in the morning, it recorded all kinds of activity up there, 40-some minutes. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, are there church is. bells that go off in the middle of the night? There's the question. No. 
<laughs> Not that I know of. Oh, okay. Because I, I don't know when it was. I mean, it was before we went to bed, so it had to have been between 4 and 5, right? It was three, like 3.30, wasn't it? Wasn't yeah. it like 3.30, quarter of 4? I mean, that's the what scared me. I was sitting in that off. back room by myself, yes. and... That was the thing that scared me. It was like all of a sudden I hear loud church bells. I'm like, that's not possible. And uh, no, it was it, so it, obvious that it was like, mm, that has to, I, I couldn't wait for it to be on the tape, but then the tape mysteriously wasn't running or something, right, Jeff? Um, well, that that was the uh, camera in the back room, which was the carriage trimming room and the, all the way bottom floor back, because that's where we all felt the most uncomfortable. <laughs> there in the, and the uh, is it the green room, Mark, or the blue room? Green room. Well, you mean the green room? Yeah, the green, green room, you felt most uncomfortable there. Green, green room we felt really weird in. In fact, it was oppressively heavy when Jeremy and I first went in there. Uh, and then it lightened right away uh, mm-hmm. the next time we came down. But that very back room, um, past the room where you do the book signings, is that kind of like your... your, your the kitchen. Uh, yeah, Basically yeah. The, the old kitchen, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that just right. felt bizarre... All the time. Now, whether or not it was just because it was, I mean, there's certainly a portion of it that it's because it's dark. Um, right. Because they're, they're, it's, it's, um, uh, it's utilitarian. Um, and it just kind of, it's a little bit like, am I, you know, am I in a Saw movie or am I at Mark Nesbitt's? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's where, you know, the tour guides fix their candles into the right. lanterns and all that kind of stuff. So there's, you know, a little workspace there. But, um, it, it, it's 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 just scary back there. So I put a camera back, and for some odd reason, about three o'clock, I went down to start checking stuff. And Jason had said, "Oh yeah, your tape ran out back there. I forgot to come get you." <laughs> Thanks, Jason. <laughs> uh, because we would have got the kids on that camera, yeah. Um, yeah. and we didn't because um, uh, stuff started happening. But yeah, the cameras all started to flake out about the same time. Which didn't make a whole lot of sense to me because most of them, I know the one in the stairwell, and I'm pretty sure the one in that back room, it still had tape on it. Well, yeah, that was the thing. Around the time you heard the kids giggling or whatever in that room, or they, or Jason and Lisa had heard them giggling in the room, was right. around the time the tape stopped. So that was sort of the joke was like, gee, I wonder if the kids turned off the camera. Turned off the camera, right. Yeah. I mean, or drained right. the battery. I think that was it. It was that the battery was drained. But no, I, I have not been back up into that room since since we were there so i'm i'm definitely going to go up in the next couple of weeks and uh uh if mark if i can shoot some test shots back there i'd love to sure to kind of check the lights out and stuff just to just to avoid that pitfall but uh but just to be clear, there's not a church with church bells that goes off at around 3.30 and 4 in the morning. <laughs> no, the, the closest church would be a Catholic church up uh, two or three that would be the, uh, you know, they, they just ring their bells on Sunday mornings, and I, I don't know if they ring them at noon or not, but um, mm. no, there wouldn't be any, any bells going off. Because that would be uh, something that the town would complain this. about. <laughs> What's that? I said that would be something the town would complain about, right? Church bells Right, yeah, no, it's, yeah, I've, heard them, I've heard them go off on a Sunday morning, you know, 7.30, 8 o'clock, but no, you wouldn't hear them in the middle of the night. But isn't it neat to have a place like that, that you can, I mean, we can control it. I mean, I own it. Well, me and Mrs. Kitzmiller own it, <laughs> but, <laughs> right. but I can control the environment in a haunted place that we can run experiments in mm. that place very much like you did. And you can, you have, you can control it. It's not like you're out on the battlefield and you're getting EVP and all of a sudden you listen to it later on 
and you hear something in it, and then you have to say, well, were those kids playing, or what was it? Right. No, you can you, we can lock it down, and um, that's the nice part about it. Now, we haven't done anything in the cellars yet. We haven't done anything in the basement. We did some up in the attic, and we've gotten we've got a game cam shot that we can't explain. Rick Fisher got a video of, of, of two orbs, one following the other through the frame, and a voice going, catch me. Huh. Once again, possibly the children. Um, and uh, so, you know, that's the nice part about that. I mean, I lived in several historic houses when I was a park ranger out there in the battlefield. But this is the first one that I can really, you know, lock down and, and use it for as a laboratory, basically. Right. Right. Well, we're still talking about getting uh, a few listeners together and coming up there. Uh, we'll have to set a date for that. But uh, um, we're kind of rounding out the hour here, Mark. Do you want to go ahead and, 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 and read off the list of all the stuff uh, that you got going on? Because we want you to be okay. able to promote that stuff. Okay. Well, uh, first weekend in June, I'm going to get together with Patrick Burns of uh, TV's Haunting Evidence. He's coming to Gettysburg with a group. And um, I'm going to be taking them through the lady farm. And uh, so that's going to be very interesting. That's the first weekend in June. The end of August, Chris Moon, um, you know, he's a guy that uh, told me about Edison's communication box, that he's seen it and worked with it. He's going to be coming to Gettysburg, and we're going to be working uh, together. Nice. Um, of course, our Mysterious Journeys weekends and our Ghost Quest weekends are getting set up now for, for next year. They're in January and February and March. But... If people want to uh, see when these things are happening, they need to go to our ghostsofgettysburg.com. Uh, that's our website, and it's the events page. Um, and also to ghostchannel.tv for uh, the uh, ghost, uh, uh, ghost Quest EVP that I, I told you about earlier. So a lot of that stuff is you know happening soon. Ghost of Gettysburg 7, I'm wrapping that up. My EVP book, I'm, 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 I was working on that today. That's going to be an online downloadable book. Um, and then people can also go to our, you know, Kel just told me this today because I am uh, uh, technologically illiterate when it comes to, <laughs> to all this stuff. But apparently Ghosts of Gettysburg has a Facebook page as well as the Mysterious Journeys Weekend. Nice. And Ghosts of Fredericksburg. All those have a Facebook page all their own. So there's there's lots going on both uh, in the social networking and and uh, actually in Gettysburg that I'm going to be associated with in the next few months. And uh, please, Jeff, let me know if you guys want to come down sometime and you know spend another sleepless night. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm 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 ripe. I, I could go tomorrow. Uh, uh, Mark, your uh, your ghost tours are they in full swing now? Um, every night, what nights do they run? Seven days a week. Yep, we're, we're open. It's the season, you know, and actually yeah. this is a good time for people to go because it's everything's open, but it's not crowded. So okay. if people want to come up and take a ghost tour, they can't. And Fredericksburg, have them check the website, Ghosts of Fredericksburg, because we're not running those right now, but we'll, we will be doing them on select weekends throughout the summer. Okay. What And um, how early should people, you know, if people want to come in the evening to do a ghost tour, which I assume, what time do they start that, that you start running tours in, in for the, the nightly tours? First tour goes out at 8 o'clock. And, of course, during the week we just have one tour that goes out, the Baltimore Street Tour. Weekends okay. we have a, a full schedule if we have a number of the number of people. But everything starts at 8 o'clock. But they'll want to call, you know, a day or two ahead or okay. earlier in the day to – 
to leave a get a reservation because we have to have to have only a certain yeah. number of people on the tours. Yeah, I know it does get unbelievably packed, and they saw it great because uh, I can tell you that Mark has the best tour because God knows I've been up there enough now. Um, you're not going to get better than than Mark Nesbitt's tour. That's without question. Uh, Thanks, so go check that out. Uh, Mark, one one last question for you, and this is um, uh, kind of speaking to your side of the fence with the with the ghost investigation stuff. You've been in this a long time. How do you avoid being broken by this by the field? Because I have no doubt that you have as many flakes and lunatics and uh, outright con people uh, in that side of the fence as we do on this side. And, and yeah. admittedly, we probably have more. Um, how, do you, how do you maintain the balance of not wanting to rip somebody's head off? Uh, <laughs> how do you, and how do, you, how do you continue to be involved in a field that is marginalized by itself so much by just some people that get into, I mean, you're, you're, you're such an honest man and, and, uh, and, uh, it, it just, it, it seems you almost seem out of place in this and that you never hear of Mark Nesbitt's really climbing up so-and-so's ass this week. You know, <laughs> uh, you don't hear that about you. I mean, how do you exist for so long in this and 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 be one of the most not only well liked on this show but well liked people on uh, on the field as a whole. I mean, you know, you never hear a bad word about Mark Nesbitt. Um, how do you well, do that? People aren't listening to my wife enough, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, the, the you know the, we were Kel and I were talking about that just the other day because there's so many things that you hear about you know people that that have been we've been involved with that are. You know, but you know the thing is, you have to look at it in terms of of, of the history of the, of the field as well. Mm-hmm. Back in the you know for thirty or forty years, uh, spiritualism and everything, and things were getting really, really legitimate. After a while, you had you had you had brilliant people like Henry James. I mean, uh, William James. You know, Henry James, the author. His his uh, brother William James, who was one of the premier. He was the American Sigmund Freud. You know, he was he brought. Uh, the you know so he was a great psychologist, and you had other people that were involved, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle, that were involved in this field, some heavy hitters. Mm-hmm. Then you got then the phonies started showing up, you mm-hmm. know, and the, and the and the table wrappers and things like that, and people discovered them, and then they painted the whole field uh, according to them, and that's what that's what I'm I told Carol I said the only way you can really determine uh, someone if they're if they're good for it is what has been their contribution to the field mm. and um that's the way i look at it you know is their contribution been extensive has it been legitimate or are they just in it to get on tv right. you know and that's that's the way i look at it i mean if you know so it's you, just do your it's do your thing and kind of do your thing and that's it i mean do your due diligence do it well keep records don't mm-hmm. fake anything. Right. Uh, keep keep notes. Watch for for you know parallels. Uh, jot them down and make sure you have them. You know you just have to you just have to do work it like any other science. Yeah. Have have uh, double blind experiments when you do things. Mm-hmm. Keep yeah. keep everything clean. You know that's that's it. Yeah, that's it. 
Well, Mark, yeah, thanks. I'm not telling, thanks, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, Jeff. Because well, that's you know, true. I mean, but, you know, I'm wait, like. Let me jot this down. Don't fake anything. <laughs> Yeah, make sure you write that down, Jeremy. That's yeah. probably number one. Uh, but, uh, Mark, we really thank you for being on again. It's another hour and practically an hour and a half of, uh, of great stuff. And, uh, and you're, you're without a doubt our favorite person uh, on this show. So thank okay. you again for, for coming out and, uh, and for being on with us at, at relatively short notice, too, I might add. Uh, and we will uh, definitely get a group together uh, to come up there very soon. And uh, like I said, I'll be up this weekend, so I might see you there. Yeah, good, good. Okay. Very Sounds good. great. Thanks again for having me, guys. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Take care. I know. Hi, my name's Greg Bishop, and you're listening to Paratopia, where I just got asked questions that I never get asked and got to talk about things that I never get to talk about. Hey gang, it's Jeremy Vaney here once again to shill for myself. Uh, the two for 20 sale, that is my DVD, No One's Watching, an Alien Abductee Story, and my book, I Know Why the Aliens Don't Land. Two for $20, that's right, you get them both for a mere 20 bucks by sending me a little message at paratopiapodcast at gmail.com, and I will send you an invoice through PayPal. Once again, be aware that the DVD is Region 1, which means it plays in the U.S. and Canada, and probably not in y'all's home country of elsewhere. So, send me an email, I'll send you the goods, and a surprise-free gift. Eerie Radio, the endeavor for esoteric research and investigation into the enigmatic. Eerie Radio is a weekly podcast that features interviews with the world's leading paranormal researchers. Download episodes of Eerie Radio from your favorite podcatcher or directly from the show website at www.eerieradio.com. Eerie Radio. Listen. Learn. Laugh. Hey, it's Jer again. Uh, So this is weird. I'm editing the show together, and I think I've caught an EVP. This is something that I heard while we were recording last night, but I didn't say anything because I wanted to make sure that it was there and that it didn't sound like it was coming from Jeff or Mark Nesbitt. Surely it does not. And then, of course, I emailed to Jeff saying, I think I found this EVP, blah, blah, blah. And he knew exactly what I was talking about. He knew exactly where it was in the conversation, and he said the reason he didn't mention it is because he felt stupid. So, but here it is. I'll, I'll play it for you. It's I'll, I'll say it's a potential EVP because who knows, but it's very crystal clear that it is somebody open mouth breathing uh, right when Mark Nesbitt is talking about having captured an EVP of a ghost taking a deep breath. So here you go. Let's see if uh, let's see what you think. Half the room heard two very deep breaths like somebody breathing in and out. And the weird part is I did not record it. Notice how after he says half the room heard, he inhales. You can tell exactly what his inhalation sounds like um, so that later when you hear the it's very clearly 
not him. Uh, of course, it's also happening sort of while he's speaking. Um, and we all know that Jeff's microphone is uh, louder than everybody else's. So I don't think it's him. It doesn't sound like his breathing. We've all heard that. And it's not me because I'm the one listening to it. And in fact, you know, Jeff said he heard it too. So there is further evidence it's not him. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. Um, I'll play it one more time. And then I'll just isolate where I'm talking about. Half the room heard two very deep breaths by somebody breathing in and out. And the weird part is I did not record it. And the weird part is I did not record it. And the weird and the weird and the weird. And the weird part is on we go with the after chat. Like none of this ever happened. So Jeff. Hey Jer, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, I I feel like crap pretty much. You want to talk about that? Sinus headache for two days. Oh man. It was like somebody's running a buzzsaw through my skull on the right side. Yeah, it's good. Well, we'll try, we'll try to make this painless. My suffering is legendary, even in hell. <laughs> uh, Mark Nesbitt, eh? God, I mean... That was a great interview. It, that was does fun. it get any better than Mark Nesbitt? I don't think it does. You know, he and Colin Andrews, if we get the two of those and those guys on a show together, <laughs> <laughs> we've got a blockbuster. Um Mark's always great. I mean, he's he's such a nice man, and and uh, and he's always he's always out doing the deed. He's always out uh, gathering data or uh, taking people through a home location and seeing what they can catch. And it's just great. I mean, he's always got something going on. So I think he's a a, a wellspring of of uh, of ghost information and observation and all of that. So I always like having him on. I guess there's only one question that I, I I thought about asking him, and I thought mm, probably the answer is no, I haven't had anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I just wonder if ghosts are kind of like dream characters, where if you press them enough, even though they seem nice, they suddenly become, Wah! you know, really bad. Oh, you mean like people activity. in ufology? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, like people in ufology. No, but where they become, like, like you think it's a cute little kid you're talking to, but if you press the kid enough, suddenly it's clear that he is a ghost. You know what I mean? Like suddenly things are being thrown at you and, you know, get out and that sort of thing. I mean, does it turn into this or can it turn into this nightmarish scenario if you don't play along with the character of nice ghost, cute little ghost boy? Um, I'll tell you what would be, and we'll, we'll, at some point in the future, we'll have Mark on again, but I think another question would be, does the demeanor of the ghost change based on, the observer's mindset, the observer's emotions, that sort of thing. Like, um, you know, as with some other phenomena in the paranormal, does um, does it reflect? You know, does it is it empathic in that sense? The good thing is we'll at least get a chance to find all this stuff out for ourselves when we go back up there. So I think that's... Or when you're dead. Or when, or, or when we're dead. <laughs> There's and always that. You can always get a two-for-one when you go ghost hunting. Right. That's uh, true. <laughs> but I, I didn't I, – I, I know we've said this a million times, but I just think it's great that he uh, – now he knows us a little better, but essentially barely knew us when he had us up there, and he's willing to let us go back again and bring listeners and all that. I think yeah. that's fantastic. Well, I mean, he's he, – as I said, I mean, you know, I've met a lot of people in the paranormal slash UFO thing 
And, um, you know, I'll, I'll say that flatly. I think he and Colin Andrews are two of the most accommodating, kind people that you're going to meet. So uh, it's, a, I mean, he's, he's an amazing guy and he does, uh, I, I, I like Mark because he's got such a, I don't know, he's almost got kind of a, uh, an innocence about the field, and but yet he's sharp as attack with it. But yet he, he's, he, you can tell when he starts talking about the stories that he's like a kid in a candy story. He just loves it, you know. He really is passionate about what he does, and and uh, I, I think that's great. I mean, and he certainly has been around for so long doing this, and that's why I asked, like, how do you, how do you do it? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, there's got to be things that aggravate you so much, but. You know, you, you you don't get involved or you don't say anything. You just you focus. I mean, that's what he said. You focus on your your endeavor, and that's what you do. And you keep your head down and plow through. Uh, that's that's sage advice from one of the guys that uh, has been in this longer than anyone. So now, are you going to be uh, releasing that little kid photo now that we've talked about it again and reminded people that it exists? <laughs> uh, yeah, after I I'm going to go up this weekend and uh, take some test shots. And uh, and see what I get. I mean, again, <clears throat> it's a simple caveat that I said on the message board, and I think I said on the show is that you know before I could remove that picture off the camera, the camera did leave my hands, um, and I can't not say that. I can't not yeah, well, people get that make they, that known because I don't want. I know, <laughs> yeah, really. You know, I can't in good conscience say I saw this clean through. You know, I saw it removed from the camera. I can vouch for it because I can't do that, but. Um, but certainly Mark, when I showed it to him, uh, he's like, oh, well, he was surprised at it and he was like happy that, that we got something like that. But ultimately he said, yeah, we've, we've had reports of children down there a lot. He even told us that beforehand for God's sake. So, but he said that, um, one of the mediums I think that they work with, or maybe it wasn't, maybe it was just a, a, a person that worked for them up there said that they saw, you know, like a dirty blonde haired kid, um, yeah, by the door. <laughs> Jeremy making faces at me over Skype cam. Sorry. Um, by that doorway, by the steps, uh, is where I think he said that they had seen him before. So it's nothing new to them, <laughs> certainly new to me. But uh, I mean, the only thing I want to rule out is is that trick of light and shadow thing, and I I honestly don't think that that's what it is. So I don't have a good explanation for it. And that's a, that's the most I can say. I can say that I had to work with it quite a bit to raise the levels in it to get it to where I feel that it's as clear as it can be. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what we will be posting is something that will that people will be able to readily see. So um, the original was just practically all dark. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really didn't really have much light down there. So they can make up what they will. Um, you know, much like every other bit of paranormal evidence, it's got its pros and cons. But, you know, I think it's interesting, to say the least. Right. Uh, do we have any other <clears throat> Mark Nesbitt discussion before we uh, make our announcement? Um, you know, only, uh, you know, you guys listening, um, we're going to – I'm going to be talking to Mark maybe this weekend or something, and we'll set a date uh, when we want to go back up there and uh, – and, and and camping is upstairs and downstairs and and do an investigation and see what we get. I've upgraded the equipment cache, <laughs> mm-hmm. so we've got new tools to take with us and new stuff to use. 
we've got a couple of the uh, the Zoom mics now and uh, two new cameras. Uh, what else? Well, we've got, of course, we've got our old equipment to take as well, so we'll be able to loan some stuff out uh, to listeners who go. I think a safe bet will be uh, to take three to four listeners with us, um, with you and I. And I think we'll leave the wife and kid home this time, for me at least. Because I think, and I, I don't know if you agree with me on this, but I think that our last one, while it was great, I think, uh, as I told Mark, it just seemed like it, there was too many people. Uh-huh. Um, and it was hard to get the house quiet in, in the sense of people walking upstairs and down the steps and all of that. Mm-hmm. You really need to go into this environment quiet and and observing and and you know i don't know i felt like it might have been a little too overcrowded but it was our first time we didn't really we didn't really really realize the environment and the size and all that so now we know now we can plan accordingly for that so i think it'll ultimately be uh could possibly be more fruitful this time to go so um uh stay tuned for that because because uh we'll we'll be we telling you and it's and again people it's first come first go so um, the first uh, three to four that commit are the ones that are going to go with us. So we'll we'll be talking about that within the next couple episodes, I guess. So the Jeff, yes. Let us move on into uh, new the future. Yes, new territory. Yes, the future of Paratopia, the demise yes. of Jeff and Jeremy. <laughs> we, we are simultaneously quitting podcasting while revolutionizing it. Um. I don't even know if we're quitting. Can you really say we're quitting? Where I mean, we're, we're, we're we are coming out of our cocoon and becoming like butterflies. Um, oh my god, that's so... well. Here's the thing. Here's the truth. We were going to quit. Uh, yeah. And pretty much on the day that we decided, you know what, we we don't have a lot left to say. Uh, we also realized, but there's a lot left to say, and mm. we have a lot of listeners. So perhaps it's time for them to say it. Um, so we'll get into what that means in a minute, but do you want to just say a few words about why we're uh, why we're doing this, why we're leaving, basically? Uh, yeah, because I think uh, you and I basically agree, and uh, I think you're more <laughs> eloquent about it than I am. So, I uh, really, that's great. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, uh, for, for me, it comes down to a very simple thing, which I think I may have probably mentioned before. <clears throat> excuse me, at some point in the past that. Uh, I'm genuinely embarrassed to be associated with what I perceive to be this field lately, namely the UFO stuff, not so much um, any of the other things we've talked about, like the crop circles or the ghost stuff. But, but you know, the focus of this, of this show has by and large been in the, the ufological sense of things, although we've branched out to connect the dots here and there. Um, I mean, we've got... What you do is you step back and you take stock every now and then. And when I did that, I look and I see we've got this exopolitical thing going on that's building entire infrastructures and uh, of diplomacy and contact procedures and all this that feels a shitload more like wish fulfillment than um, what critical thought ought to be for this modern day. That that sounds more like the contactee movement of the 50s, you know. uh, these people like seem to garner the most mainstream attention, um, and I might make note of this: is that they're similarly coloring um, this phenomena for like the public because they are in the public mainstream attention. 
Um, they're coloring this subject just exactly the way Jacobs and Hopkins colored the abduction scenario for the public. And it's with their own agendas and their own desires and their own wish fulfillment needs. It's a mess. Um, so, you know, aside from our listeners who seem to like genuinely want to question the mainstream thought, the problem is, is that the majority of the UFO interested public doesn't, um, they're not interested in changing the long held ideologies in this. Um, I, I think I largely agree with what uh, Phil and Brockner said is that this is more akin to a religious thing than the study of an unknown phenomena. And um, uh, I, I think longstanding researchers, for the most part, with a few exceptions, namely most of the ones that we've had on the show, um, they're completely unwilling to leave the past theories you know, in the past and move on to unknown territory. They'd rather beat that same old dusty drum. And here, I got news for you people. <laughs> the drum that they're beating is a funeral drum for this field. You know, this field has stagnated to such a degree that, that trying to inject anything new, any new ideas, any, you know, changing your own theories based on your own new discoveries or directions that you might, you know, threads you might pull on, that doesn't earn you people listening. That doesn't earn you people going, hmm, there's something to think about. Uh, what it earns you is more scorn than it does meaning, meaningful discussion of those ideas. And I'm not interested in really discussing belief systems, and I'm not interested in fighting some new age religion. Um, and that, to me, is what ufology has become, whether anyone wants to admit it or not. That's, that is how I see it. And, it, you know, you can knock that down to three basic premises, is that there's no solid, undeniable proof of this. It exists largely as an article of faith. And it started as an experience, and once the mainstream grabs a hold of it, it's an ideology. And I'm not interested in those. Now, our guest on this show, because when Jeremy and I started this, we said, we're going outside the field. We're not going to keep um, harping the same old people. We're not going to have, like, SmackDown shows <laughs> and all of that. We have... And you guys, you listeners, I'm sure you probably realize to some degree on the message board if you read it that we've had a hell of a hard time getting mainstream scientists and, and solid researchers to our table to talk um, about stuff that is genuinely outside of the norm for this field. Um, we did do it, though. That's one thing I, I personally am really proud of, this this show, what we've done with it. I personally, I know Jeremy does as well, I thank every single guest that we ever had on this program for coming on because all of you who came on this show as a guest, uh, from Whitley all the way to what will be our last guest as for this, for this version of the show, um, all of you made this show exactly what we wanted it to be, which was questioning the trends, ignoring the nonsense, and making new threads to pull on. And every guest that we had was fucking brilliant. Um, you're talking about the rarest of gems in a field that is rife with ridiculous and mediocrity. So for me, that's, that's what made this show is the people that agreed to come on and talk with us, uh, in an honest and open way. In the end, for me, I feel like, I feel like I go back to episode one <laughs> with Whitley Strieber. And he said that he was this purveyor of useless knowledge. And I didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't get what he meant by that. 
I understood it to a degree, but I thought, well, how can you say that? Because people do want to hear what you have to say. And I think people do want to hear what we've presented on this show. But in the broad sense, aside from our listeners and our guests, people don't want new ideas. They don't want dismantlement of theories and they, they want confirmation of their own desires. And when you don't do that, you're a purveyor of ideas that no one wants. Um, and so this field on the whole does not want new ideas. And, and it's, it, 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 it wants to be what it's always been, which is this same thing. So I think the word futile is the word I'm looking for here. And any of you listening will realize this after you're in this for any, any significant length of time. And I think some of you already, really, already do know that. You'll find out you never seem to get where you want to go. Now, whether you can attribute that to uh, Enhancenism <laughs> or you can attribute it to just how screwed up people are uh, in this. So in the end, I don't feel like I personally have any, any more to offer right at this moment in, in a field that operates the way this one does. I feel like, you know, when I stepped into this 20 plus years ago, the fringe was the minority. And now I feel like it's the majority. And so for me, the ship of fools is going down and it'll eventually hit bottom, but this rat's not going to be on board. You know, this, this mystery that we're, that we've talked about so much on this show that we refer to as the anomaly or the other or whatever you want to call it is so far from being even remotely understood, yet everyone wants to give you an answer, and everyone, everybody wants to be right. But I've never seen such a group so unwilling to state the obvious, which is, I don't know what this is. <laughs> and there it is. The not knowing, with all of the technology that we have and all the analytical minds that we've got on this thing, that the fact that we're still being evaded by this thing to me, is far more fascinating than anyone's theory or ideology could be. And everyone in this field that I'm talking about that is, is on this ship of fools is scared to death of that. So from my standpoint here, this is where I say, and this is what brings us to the future of what Paratopia or what we want it to be, is that more voices are needed. Am I right, Jer? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I ditto everything that you just said. Um, and I'll just say that for me, where I really see this uh, in action is with the Emma Woods case. That's really yeah. what hits home with me. Um, it's funny. I just did. Uh, I just recorded. I think it'll be on in two weeks from now, uh, an episode of the Black Fridays and um, the hosts. Uh, it's Wes Owsley and Stacey Lowry, I believe. Yeah. Um, asked. Uh, so you guys seem really reinvigorated after the Emma Woods thing. And my answer was, <laughs> yeah. And we're quitting <laughs> uh, yeah. because while on the one hand it was reinvigorating in that here's something real and rational um, in, in my mind, um, and this is strictly my opinion, mm. um, this is a case of a coward uh, abusing a woman because he has formulated this fearful scenario in his head that he thinks is playing out and he's a part of it. And ultimately, that's what that boils down to, whether, you know, again, for the millionth time, whatever you think of Emma Woods, whether, you know, she has mental problems or whatever, um, isn't the point. The point is this coward is is using her as a shield from hypothetical, you know, hybrids. 
and that doesn't sit well with me. And I think that that is such a probably legal matter and definitely moral matter. Um, yeah. And it's and it's again, it's rational. It's something you can sink your teeth into and get a yes or no out of. Um, and I think that it was covered by a couple of camps that um, fancy themselves as sort of rational, which we are one of. And um, I think it was a strong enough damning case against Jacobs and Hopkins by proxy and their entire research method and, you know, hypnosis in general, you know, and going back to Lilienfeld again, who really brought down that deck of cards or at least blew on it. And then yeah. I think Emma Woods just sort of pulled the rug out from under it uh, and the whole thing collapsed. And I th think it was so obvious to them that they then had to go on a damage control campaign yeah. um, involving emailing us involving, you know, going on another show, involving, uh, you know, going on his own website and, and making disclaimers involving this weekend. I guess they're going to be speaking about the hybrid situation here in New York. Uh, so it's all this damage control campaign for little old us, for something that we brought to light. And, um, and then you go to Above Top Secret um, is the litmus test because they're the biggest – uh, message board on the paranormal and conspiracy there is. And, you know, they still want to talk about like Martian anomalies, moon anomalies, area 51, uh, you know, Chet yeah. the Martian, you know, whatever. I, I will, I will point out that it, it did hit today. Um, someone did mention it in a thread and listed all three of our shows. Yeah, uh, I saw that, but that's like, yeah. it, you know, it's weeks long later. after the fact. Yeah. It's long after yeah. the fact. And it's a mention in a thread. It's not its own thread. It's not, Oh my God, look at this. Right. In other right. words, I mean, so far, it's not demanding huge public scrutiny. And why is that? Because you look at what is, and it's all the wish fulfillment stuff. It's all the Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Um, yeah. It's what this field has become. Um, so I think what we represent is not what this field wants. And um, I, th I think that's clear. And I think mainly that stems from the fact that um, way back when uh, the Air Force and scientists decided – to stop looking into this. And so it became an amateur sport. And I think in the beginning, uh, there probably were a lot of good amateurs in that sport and a lot of scientifically minded people and smart people. And over time, I think society changed. And I think the ufological scene itself changed in tandem to where we, you know, our educational system is such that we pop out uh, idiots and, um, and people who don't know how to use they don't know how to think properly. They don't know how to question properly. Um, and we are trained to like memorize things, right? We're not trained to like be creative and explore new avenues of thought. We're trained to memorize. Um, and I think all of that sort of stuff coupled with being told over and over again through the media that you are special, your individualism matters. You deserve, you deserve me, 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 this me generation stuff. Yeah. I think has supplanted actual critical thinking with, because you have the ability to open your mouth, it, it means that, you know, nine times out of ten people think that that means uh, that they should and that any opinion out of their mouth is equally valid to any other opinion, as if to say there are no real experts in anything, just whatever I can wrap my mind around, except that you don't know that your mind isn't capable of wrapping around certain things. And here's a subject that is the unknown, at least, and perhaps the unknowable. So perhaps even the greatest thinkers can't wrap their minds around it, but how do you even approach it? And I think the people who are qualified to approach it have left the building and 
are so working think, on their own <laughs> or yeah, are working on their own are you know, are working in silence, um, mm-hmm. all of that. So I think that's what brought us here is all I'm saying. I think that's the history of uh, mainstream leaving this behind it being picked up by amateurs who then gave way to dumb amateurs who then gave way to ego maniacal, you know, I'm a time Lord. I'm a star seed. I'm a this, <laughs> I'm a that because yeah. now you've got all of this, you know, hypnotically retrieved testimony, contactee testimony, et cetera, et cetera, mythology, all of this stuff that you can play with and um, make your own backstory, go on a message board and say, this is who I am. Is anyone else like this? Uh, and then you've got a cavalcade of people claiming to be that, you know, it's a mess. It's play. It's play acting at this point. It's not a feat. So, but again, there, there's obviously we have a large listenership and that listenership, um, you know, demands better. So how do we, how do we give them better? Well, I mean, like Jeff said, I agree, uh, that it's embarrassing this, this field. Um, and I agree that I don't have, uh, much left to say at this point. Now, I, I would like to take some time to just delve back into my own experiences, and if uh, something major occurs, then I would certainly share that with you, but I don't need to share every little step along the way, because um, I think that's just keeping me from actually getting to where I need to go, probably. Um, so I would like to have time to do that and to work on other projects uh, with Jeff, Um and concentrate on, on other things and in bettering Paratopia. That's right. what I would like to do. Um, but like I said, I know that even though we're done speaking, that doesn't mean that there's nothing left to say. And so we had decided to quit and to call it quits at 70 episodes. Um, but then we, when we announced that, we, we, <laughs> Jeff and I both saw this post by Brad on the message board saying, uh, well, why don't you, you know, I, I feel like we're we're not just listeners of the show. We're Paratopians, you know. We've got this community, and we love being here. Why don't you give the show to Eric and I and <laughs> see what <laughs> right. we can do with it? And that inspired uh, two halves of a whole idea in Jeff and I. He had called me, and he said, I have this idea. And I said, I do too. And they were both inspired by Brad. So thank you, Brad. Yes. And the whole idea is this. After 70 episodes, we're going to um, weave ourselves out, and we're going to weave you listeners in. So what that means is, uh, and we'll put this on the message board um, so that you have like something strict to look at, something more disciplined than my words here in this podcast. But essentially what's, what we're asking for is for people uh, to, if you're an experiencer, send us up to two hours of your uh, experiences, but not just, hey, this is what happened to me, but really get into it deeply the way that we do on this show. Tell us how it evolved in you, how you evolved with it. You know, all of the deep sort of questions that we ask, please uh, ask yourself and illuminate us with it. Um, and, and send us that audio at paratopiapodcast at gmail.com and we will edit it um, and we will uh, post it and that will be a show. If you're not an experiencer, or even if you are and you'd rather do this um, or also do this, send us a lecture. If you uh, are an expert in a field that's applicable to this and you have a lecture that you want to give, um, something along those lines, you know, school us. Take us to school. We'll, we'll use that as a show. Um, so these are the kinds of things that we would like to do. Now, obviously, you're going to want to keep it to the material. We don't care about your personal political rants or any of that sort of you know, this isn't this isn't therapy <laughs> for people. Well, well, that would be the part where edits come right. in. I mean, we'll just you'll just know that we'll edit that out. So, 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, and eventually what this will turn into is that user content plus we will set up people who would like to um, at our discretion uh, to interview the luminaries in this field so that no longer are we doing the interviews, but you're doing the interviews. And we will mediate that. We will we'll sit on the line and, and um, record it and just you know sit back and let you go. And you talk to these people and you get the answers that you want um, from them or at least ask the questions that you want to ask from them, whether you get the answers, who knows. Uh, And I think, because I think it's not enough to just complain that people don't know how to critically think and blah, blah, blah. I think it's time to, to actually start a new movement of deep thinkers. And I know from doing our roundtable discussion that, uh, you know, at least that handful of you had a lot of great things to say. And a lot of great questions, and I, I think it's mm-hmm. time for your voices to be heard um, and to revolutionize well, podcasting and to revolutionize this field, if possible, yeah, um, yeah. by by ignoring all of the noise of that Dungeons and Dragons stuff, all of that stuff that Jeff and I, when we do the show, are not disciplined enough to avoid. Uh, <laughs> I think we totally will because we'll be stepping out of the way and just concentrating on helping you guys and gals uh, get your voices heard um, and that's it. And we won't pay attention to any of the nonsense. In fact, I think that will just go away. And if all 100,000 of you did this, we would no longer have a field to bitch about. We would be the field, the field, the field. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, and the way I look at this is that we are two guys. We are certainly not the only people around that are capable of asking the kind of questions that we do. Um, our, our listenership is the biggest bunch of really intelligent, thoughtful people that I've ever come across on the internet. Uh, and our two voices, Jer- between Jeremy and I, uh, we're not enough to make it happen. And so that's why I say that more voices have to be li- have to be heard in this. And so, if you guys band with us, then that can enact some kind of change, maybe. Uh, if we don't try it, we'll never know. But uh, if we've got a community of people that are all listening to each other and we're still making compelling uh, radio that people want to listen to, then that's what, it's, that's what it's all about, is pushing out new ideas from all sorts of different people, not just Jeremy and I. It takes more than us. It takes all of us to make this happen. And that's, for me, is where this came from because I, I think it was Brad, again, Jeremy, that said um, that they felt like they had some uh, a form of ownership of this show. They felt a part of it. And I thought, how great is that? I mean, that, that made me feel so good uh, to feel that people felt that close to this show and what it did that there's no way you can walk from that. You can't walk away from that. Well, here's the other thing, and I know it's, un- <laughs> it's uncouth to say – how many listeners you have, but I think that that's a selling point on how this show is going to go forward. Within mm-hmm. 63, this is our, what, 64th episode? Yes. We've accumulated uh, well over, I mean, what is it, 100, between 115 and 120,000 people listen to this show. Subscribers, yeah. So, yeah, listen to the show, and, uh, you know, that's within 64 episodes uh, and growing. So, this, I mean, you can't just, it, it's hard to abandon that. It's hard to say, yeah, bye, guys. Uh, we got nothing left to say. Bye. Um, I, right. I, and I think just going by the message board, which is growing and growing as well, uh, you know, 
we've got a lot of really smart, thoughtful people. So, yeah, let's let's just know that when you put together your audio, you're speaking to well over a hundred thousand people. Yeah. So how you represent yourself and how you know we're going to edit to represent this show, just keep all of that in mind. Um, and as far as the interviews go, like I said, that's at our discretion. So please don't like email us and, and hound us. Like, why can't I, uh, do this? Well, uh, you know, probably we're not going to start doing that. We'll tap people. We'll start tapping people based on what we hear, uh, in their user content. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to have to go that way. What, you know, whether we think it's appropriate for you to speak to X person or, you know, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see how this all plays out. It, I mean, we're. We're, we're tiptoeing into new territory here. So yeah, all I'm yeah. saying is please don't harass us. That's all, that's all I need to say. <laughs> I mean, uh, we're not being gatekeepers in a sense. It's just the, the only thing is, is that we, we, we built this show with a lot of work and a lot of, I'll say it, pain yeah. <laughs> uh, and worry and everything else. Uh, and, and so we're, we're maintaining the ownership of that and we're maintaining the integrity of that that people have grown accustomed to hearing and obviously the reason people tune in at all. So we've got to keep some kind of measure of control on that, um, that we don't get somebody that comes on and uh, uh, we put someone on, let's say, Colin Andrews or Richard Haynes and starts him with, well, what do you think about reptilians? I mean, that's definitely not the way we want to go with this. So we're going to be looking for everyone's user content. We're going to be going through all of that. I mean, ultimately, it's going to be more work in, in a sense, but I think in the long run, the more voices we get in this, the more people that we can bring that wouldn't normally have ever gotten to speak to Colin Andrews or any of these people at length and in depth one-on-one, some of those people have the best questions. Yeah, or uh, just speak to 100,000 people, whatever it is that yeah. you want to say. I mean, maybe there are researchers listening to this who aren't or bloggers in the blogosphere who feel like their voices aren't being heard and you're not an experiencer or whatever. Well, now's your chance. Uh, you can promote your site. You can promote your book or whatever. Absolutely. You're doing. Yeah. Um, again, and it can be up to two hours. Um, it doesn't have to be two hours. If it's like a half hour, well, I'm sure more than one person will end up doing about a half hour. So we'll just put <laughs> right. out multiple people on an episode, not a problem. Uh, so like I said, we'll do, uh, a few more episodes ourselves, and then we will slowly wean. We'll probably weave ourselves in with this user content, uh, right. and then eventually it will all be the user content, and Jeff and I will come back to do uh, specials every now and then. Yeah, yeah, like on-location things. We do the Mark Nesbitt house again and well, all that. Thing, because this is, again, this is about maintaining and building the community. And so, yeah, we're like, like you know, we're bringing – people to Mark Nesbitt's for the ghost hunt. Uh, yes. We're bringing people out to the Hudson Valley um, to Hawk Rock and to some of these pre-Celtic structures with Phil and Brogno. I mean, this is a really an amazing opportunity for all of us to get involved and to learn and to think and to learn how to think about this stuff by being involved in it and by seeing it up close and personal yeah. um, or by braving it out and throwing your ideas out there, throwing your experiences out there to the masses to critique um, or Mm -hmm. just to listen to. I hope people do critique each other's performances um, somewhat. I mean, I don't want that to turn into a, you know, a bash fest or anything like that. If that starts to happen, (laughs) the message board will still be moderated. Yes. Yeah. Uh, But I mean, I think we just need, we all need everyone's help in this uh, to help each other along into 
new ways of thinking about this stuff. And I think this is the best way to go about it. And I think personally that I'm sure beyond being sure that there are listeners out there who aren't particularly vocal on the message board, but you know, I definitely have written me uh, to talk about how much they like the show. I won't be at all surprised if someone uh, comes on and does an hour or two hours and comes across an idea that we didn't even dream of. Uh, that's what it means to put more heads together. And that's the point in this. Um, so we've got this great vehicle and now we want you all to climb in the back seat and eventually take the wheel. Uh, and I think that's going to be a great thing. And I'll, I'll say this, Jared, like I'm, we have to make this abundantly clear for everybody that if you're, uh, or if you've ever been a guest on this show, uh, you have an open door standing invite to come on, talk about your research, talk about something you've written, something you've done, something you've filmed, whatever. Uh, you all, every single guest we ever had, you all have a standing open door invitation. You need only say the word, I need your show for two hours, and you own it for two hours. Um, that's an open a standing invitation. We, we told uh, Colin Andrews, and we told Susan Kornacki, right, that uh, that uh, both of them, that they know what's going on. So um, They were very the, enthusiastic about it. So yeah, yeah. That's Colin how we know we're going in the right direction. Very excited. So, th- But that goes for every guest we've ever had. If, if any of you want to record something and you need our help to do it, uh, to get it up on Paratopia, you've got our help instantly. All you need to do is drop us a line at paratopiapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, or email Jeremy and I privately and and say the word, I need your show, you have our show, period. Every single guest we've ever had. Uh, so that's a wide open door. And uh, and that too could be, those, those could be some amazing shows. And and I'll tell you what, uh, Jeremy, if hypnosis works, here's my, hypnos- here's my uh, hypnotic plant for this episode. <laughs> Dealing with this crap is futile. Let's do something else. <laughs> you know, let's, let's do something. Let's do something else. Um, you know, the, just get off the ship of fools and and let's do this thing. And uh, and well, we'll be the new ship of fools. That's right. Uh, <laughs> we'll be the Mayflower of fools. <laughs> right. Uh, exactly. But please start getting. You know, get your audio in like now because yeah, yeah, uh, that will save us a lot of time if we can. Uh, edit a bunch of episodes together beforehand, then we can take time off to do what we want to do. Well, well, how about this? How about, how about we suggest this to start? Um, How about if all of you write us at paratopiapodcast at gmail.com and tell us what your show thematic will be? What do you want to talk about? And write that up for us in a really brief, I mean, a paragraph and then we'll tell you, go with it, make it happen. And you record it, make it happen. And, and you know, we'll, we'll go, th- we'll, we're going to listen to every one before it airs. So that we're essentially, I mean, Jeremy, am I right? I'm right here. We're, we're picking the cream of what we get uh, to put out. Yeah, and we will edit you to sound professional. We'll edit out your ums and ahs ums and, and ahs. long pauses. And that's that that's what we mean by that. So don't be super critical of what you're doing. Uh, try to keep it clean, but 
you know, you, you don't have to worry so much about, uh, or hmm, let me think about this. Stand by a minute. And as long as you, after a pause, just do this. Three, two, one. And then start talking again. <laughs> that makes it a little easier for us to cut out dead wood. So other than that, send us your ideas and what ones we like. We'll, we'll tell you. Go with it. Let's roll. Yeah, and when you send the audio file, you can send pretty much anything, but really what would be helpful is a high-quality MP3. Yeah. Uh, the higher, the better. We'll do the compressing. Um, and you can send that through. You send it. Or is that going to be our choice? Yeah, well, or wh- whatever they want. I mean, you send it. Whatever big what file use, but, sender you want to use, yeah. Yeah. You know. Uh, obviously, I don't think I don't, I don't think Gmail or any of those uh, accept anything over twenty megabytes. So right, right, right. Um, yeah. So there you go. And also, I mean, did we mention that if they wanted to, uh, it like just to say we had uh, a brother and a sister who have had experiences and they want to interview each other. I mean, you guys can do stuff like yeah, that. Interview each other and interview others on the pod on on the message board. I mean, say you hear somebody who interests you um, mm-hmm. in one of these podcasts and you want to interview them or have them interview you. I mean, set all that stuff up. Do go go do you. <laughs> just right. make it just make it um, spectacular. <laughs> well, and and we should say that if they need help uh, recording or anything like that, that um, you know, I don't. I, I, I don't uh, I don't do the recording. Jeremy does, but I'm sure that he wouldn't have any problem signing on and putting somebody on a party line, and then going to do his thing while the recorder runs. And hey, I'll be back in a half an hour. Yeah, <laughs> check on you guys, course. you know. And he can go on and do something he wants to do, and you guys can just basically use the system uh, to record your thing. And um, and so we'll help people. We'll, we'll help this happen. So. Uh, but I think most of the people who listen know how to record their own voice on their computer, and uh, that's what we want to start with. So, so start thinking about it. Start uh, planning out what you would want to do. You've got the platform, and we're giving it to you. So, um, get ready for number seventy because that's when we're going to start phasing out. We're going to be doing, like Jeremy said, specials and whatnot throughout the year. Sometimes they may be frequent and sometimes they might not. Uh, but either way, when we put one together, it's probably going to be, am I right, Jared, we're going to try to do like maybe like a marathon type of thing where it's three hours plus maybe on some of these things. Um, more in depth, if we're, if we're on a location, it's going to be more in depth than, say, what we put together for Martin Esbitt's thing, which, which was damn near three hours. But you're going to hear a lot more findings. You're going to hear a lot more of interviews and all of that contained within a really huge special. So those will still be happening. And, uh, and we're still going to be having people out to, you mentioned Phil and Brogno's thing, and you mentioned Mark Nesbitt's thing, uh, both of which are coming up uh, where we're going to be soliciting for people to get on board and go with us. But um, I wouldn't mind doing a remote from the house if if uh, one of our listeners wants to spend a night in your room um <laughs> and hang around here for a, a day or so i i don't have a problem with that uh if i certainly wants to get together to protest the steve bassett <laughs> abductee conference coming up in i think october oh my god we can go set up a protest for that yeah i'll paint the signs but i'm staying home on that one um <laughs> So, you know, it, it's as wide as you guys want to make it, and, um, and, and we'll, we'll keep the quality of things good, and we'll, uh, we'll still be bringing you really great content. So we just won't be doing it. 
I mean, like, like we said, we feel like it's time for you guys now to take this and, and go with it. And we're going to guide it and we're going to steer it. I think it could move mountains with that because two voices are great. But if we get uh, 100,000 voices, 100,000 different people talking about this in, in meaningful ways on this show to all of these people, I mean, damn. <laughs> I mean, that could do something. Uh, you know, if you don't want to be a part of this lunacy anymore, then, uh, you know, you basically batten down the hatches, you climb in the bunker. And uh, you either wait it out or you start talking amongst yourselves in the foxholes. And that's what we're planning to do. So uh, the, let's vacation, leave. the vacation's over, Peritopia. Right. It's, it's time, time to get to work. That's right. Yeah. Let's, let's do it. I mean, we got the whole island now. So, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to build a pier and everybody drive their boat up. I'm excited about it. I think it's, um, it's going to be great. I really do. I'm, I'm super happy that, that we decided not to just fold it up. I think that had been a real waste, you know. So um, there it is, folks. Onward and upward. Yeah. Good luck to all of you. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, good luck to all Uh, of you. From here on out, uh, until we reach 70, we're going to try to pack in as much good stuff as we can. And and we're trying to get some of our old guests back to kind of uh, send us off on this, uh, this new direction. So let's see what happens. All right. And now enjoy the the musical stylings of Vaney. Oh, good lord.